But I think generally good investors are optimists and um, you know, maybe don't spend too much time with the ones that don't see your vision. Welcome to the Vitalize Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, the Director of Marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital. On today's episode, we have Zach Hudson, the co-founder of Deft, startup that we invested in at Vitalize Venture Capital. And they are a new way to find jackets and a new way to find couches and a new way to find rugs online. They're building a better e-commerce search. You can find, research, and buy any product all in one place. It's an amazing company. They have a massive vision for it. Let's dive in. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, Deft is a very interesting company. Remember when I saw this uh, first from Gail at our firm, Butterlies, so we invested in, I was like, okay, this is like incredible. Obviously, I really like what you're doing. One thing I want to go back to that's kind of fun is two years ago, you and co-founder were on is Tyler Cowen like asked you a bunch of questions around right. around the company, and I was like, I watched that in part of the research, and he was very just like digging into things, which as he should, right? And at the time, yeah. it was like you had some great answers, like more broadly, but some were too generic. He's like trying to dive in on everything, and I know it's come a long way since. But first, we're gonna get into a lot of that, so I want to set the scene with that. But first, absolutely, for people who don't know what Deft is, what is Deft? <laughs> Deft is an SEO-free, ad-free search engine for e-commerce. Um, and what that means is that all your searches are trustworthy. So you can use it to find research and buy products from all over the web. And part of that, with what Tyler Cowan mentioned around that, he was like, how many of these searches? He had a great example in this video, if you want to check it out, around like finding like a gray sofa, for instance. And you have this yeah. great example going through it and finding this. And it's a much better experience than what Amazon is or Google with all these ads and everything. But he was like, you know, how many of these searches are like actually good? Or like, that was two years ago now. Take me through yeah. the product today, just for context. Like, how good is this product now from the evolution of when you started? Of course. So, and, and the original vision started with my co-founder, Alex. He was building it and I actually joined him when I was building another company. Um, and it was really Amazon for picky people is originally what it was. So we thought that people were having trouble finding specific things online. But what we realized as we started to bring users onto the platform is that they're not just looking for something specific. It's that they can't find authenticity in e-commerce anymore. It's such an over-SEO'd, over-advertised category for search that it's really hard to tell if somebody's just trying to sell you some snake oil or if they're, you know, if it's actually a good product. And so it has become more generalized over time. Obviously, we have to be smart about the niches that we go into. We can't just tackle all of e-commerce. There's 2 billion products that are out there. Trying to index all of those <laughs> and make them searchable is very difficult. Um, so we had to start off with a category. In Tyler Cowan's case, it was gray sofas. It is yeah. now uh, turned into all of furniture and home decor, and we're quickly making our way into apparel and electronics. Those are the next two categories on our list. Okay, we'll get to like more of that and choosing that, mm -hmm. building it out. Let's go back to early days. Even sure. you mentioned your co-founder, obviously, and then you join him. Why in the, why even start this? Why even join Up Forces in the first place to to build mm -hmm. Deft? I'm curious. Yeah, so. I'll give my backstory. I'm sure Alex can speak to his own better than I can. Um, <laughs> but I was building another, uh, I was building a company called Recommend. It was kind of like Yelp for product reviews. And I really wanted to find reviews in the e-commerce space from people more like myself. And when I met Alex, seeing Deft and what he was building in the early days, I saw 
the ability for my mission with, with what I was building with Recommend to be incorporated into Deft and become a much larger thing. So um, it's turned into a, like, you can think about how reviews play a role in finding authentic products when you're doing e-commerce search. So I saw my vision within his. Um, so that's kind of why I joined up with him, why I got into this in the first place. I've worked in e-commerce for 10 years. I've been on the brand side, the agency side, the technology side, and I just saw how hard it was to get our products out there to the consumers that are trying to find it. But on the flip side, as a consumer, I was just trying to find uh, something that wasn't over SEO'd. I know how marketers manipulate these results to try to get their products in your face, and I wasn't a big fan. With Alex then, you, you mentioned obviously joining forces, like what he was doing with this, mm -hmm. the idea for it. But take me through more of that just in terms of like, all right, like we're going to do this. Like we're going to go work yeah. together for a decade. Just take me through more of those conversations. How you yeah, it happened it. so organically, and I'm really thankful for how everything worked out in that situation. So it, I met him at like a, a YC event or something in LA, and I looked at the list of companies that were going to be on there, and I was building Recommend at the time, he was building Deft, and I was going through the list, and I had that typical founder response of, oh, I don't want to share my idea. Like, this guy's idea is way too close. In reality, um, no one's really trying to take your idea. Everybody's too busy, but that's just where my head was at the time. Um, yeah. And so when I went to the the event, wouldn't you know, the very first person that I bump into is is Alex. And we get to talking and he's talking about Deft and talking about Recommend. Um, and we just kept in touch afterwards. So he did some work for my project. I did some work for his. And it just became, we got to get a sense of each other's work styles. And we realized that we complement each other very well. And so that's why we we decided to team team up. And I think he was really open to sharing ownership of this vision with me. And uh, and that made me feel comfortable dropping recommend to join forces with him. So it was, it happened super organically. And I don't, it, it was such uh, an, an amazing serendipitous thing that happened. No, I love that. Uh, there's so many ways that people find each other in terms of co-founders. And that's always one of the, the toughest things, mm -hmm. like one, finding the person and then actually deciding that, yeah, I actually want to work with them for a long period of time on this particular problem. Getting a chance to do work on each other's projects was probably the most important factor too, because we got to, I think too many people jump into it way too quickly. They're just, they have this idea. It seems like a great idea. Okay, you're going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then they, uh, they don't really formalize an agreement or anything. Uh, whereas we got to, um, or they formalize it in an agreement too fast almost. And in our situation, we got a chance to work together before there was any equity on the table, before there was any, uh, this is my idea. This is my idea uh, sort of conversation. You mentioned a few of the categories earlier, but take me through when you decided to team up, you're like, all right, we're going to build this together, we'll build depth mm -hmm. together. What was the first category? Where were you focusing your energy on making this uh, magical experience? Throw pillows, actually. <laughs> very, very, very specific. <laughs> um, so we had of course, everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So what we found was furniture and home decor is um, one of the most kind of revisited categories out there. It's it's really surprising. People do a lot of repeat purchases. So don't think about sofas. Think about all the small accessories that you might have in your home. Um, people do a lot of repeat purchases of that. And then you add in uh, COVID and the pandemic on top of that, furniture to home decor became uh, a really an amazing category for us to start in because everybody's sitting around looking at their home going, I hate this, I hate that. And they're, <laughs> they're buying it. So it became a, a growing category. And it, it was perfect for what we started in. On top of that, because we were building this very specific search at the time, um, furniture and home decor is very non-branded. And so what I mean by that is when you think about shoes, you're immediately thinking about a Nike or something like that, a particular brand. And so people are going to those sites. 
Whereas when you think about a lamp, when you think about a sofa, you don't necessarily think about a brand every single time. So it was great for when we were building this very specific search. And obviously we've branched out of that now, but it was a, it was a great category to start out in. For other founders who are maybe new building something in a different space with this as well, you, you mentioned some of the growth numbers or like categories are you figuring out. What was that research in terms of what tools we're mm -hmm. using to figure out like, okay, yeah, this category because of these numbers we see, like anything around the, the tools and the discovery side of that to figure that out? I'm curious. Yeah, no, no tools that I can think of. I mean, there's probably some reports that you can buy, but um, we used to, I think it's called Statist, uh, oh, yeah. Statista, some of those. There was... Also, uh, Baymart Institute's another good e-commerce one. Um, you just really have to hunt out these people who aggregate lots of data across um, different categories, verticals, and that's that's where we started. Then from that point then, with the product itself, so at that point, you know the area you're kind of going after. Take me through the product, developing that and what that was going to mm -hmm. look like initially and the back-end challenges that go yeah. into this as well. Yeah. Well, we, you don't just start building a search engine because uh, that, that would take years. Um, and so uh, what we what we did first, and I think something that worked out really well for us was um, we did kind of a Wizard of Oz um, thing, which is something you see tra in traditional product management. So yeah. we had a, a search bar or a text bar that was there. And when you submitted it, it felt like you were doing a query. It was actually going to me and Alex on the back end. Um, and so we got a sense of everybody's queries, what they were typing in, um, how they like to search, what what types of things are they going to search for. And then we uh, molded our search around that and the types of queries people were doing. So before we built any technology, we got a big sense of the types of queries people are going to do. We did a lot of other market research too. So another thing that you can do is... Um, for a long time, it's actually still up on our wait list. Um, if you go sign up for uh, Deft, there's a, a type form that comes afterwards, just like Superhuman. Whenever you sign up for Superhuman, they ask you a bunch of questions. We did very similar to try to get a sense of what types of products are people searching for? How much are they looking to spend online? Um, and all of these things combined helped us determine what was the way we were going to build our search and what products did we need to index first. And uh, so we supported really general searches first, like uh, really non-specific things, couches, gray sofas, and Tyler Callen's case, stuff like that. Um, and then we built on we built on kind of the query engine and parsing um, from there based on how people were searching. How were you getting people to the product initially? Yeah, so um, this problem is more widespread than you think, um, or at least in terms of just finding things online. So there's a lot of communities out there where people are hunting for products and they can't find them and they're really frustrated. So they're going to forums like Reddit. They're going to forums like Howl's in the case of furniture home decor. And they're saying, hey, can you please give me a recommendation for this product? I can't find it anywhere. Or can you recommend a good sofa for me? Stuff like that. So we were positioning our product for those people first. Um, and that's how we got our early traffic. Um, and it continues to be a huge driver for us. Um, organic um, communities are, yeah, our bread and butter. Wait, wait, were you just like, all right, here's Zach on Reddit, just repl replying to every one of them with a link 100%. to the, yeah, yeah, okay. All day. Uh, that's what I love to uh, hear. Yeah, I bet you can find this on, on Deft, you know, stuff like that. And then it became, <laughs> then we started seeing other people use our product to give recommendations to other people. So it was kind of, hey, here's the product that you were looking for. I'm, they were using our search engine to help fulfill those requests on those communities. And it just became a really uh, nice source of traffic for us and also backlinks. All right. I love to dive into de details. So with that too, because other founders can be like, all right, mm -hmm. yeah, we, everyone here is about doing things that don't scale. Great. So here's, here's Zach or Alex commenting on these forums. All day. Great. But like for how long? There's like at six months in, you're like, oh, we have enough data. People are coming to the site. We stop. 
do you just keep going commenting on the same thing more of that? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, I still comment in there today. I, I just try to be helpful to these communities. So I'm still in there all the time. I also help go index new stuff and aggregate data and all that stuff. So I am definitely in the weeds every single day, all the time. And I don't think that's going to change. It's, it's an opportunity for me to continue to get a sense of where our product needs to go. And if I was too separated from that, I don't think our product would, would grow. Yeah. How do you think about then acquisition today? So that's obviously a, a, mm-hmm. a part of it with your engaging communities, mm-hmm. which organic and obviously it's a long-term play with, you mentioned backlinks and everything and people kind of finding it, then they can spread the word and share about it as well. How do you look at this? You know, even that interview we, t- we mentioned two years ago already. How do you think yeah. about that today in like July of 2022? Okay. How do we bring people yeah. to Deft? Yeah. Um, three, three channels. And obviously it's a huge, uh, it's a struggle. Like changing consumer behavior is yeah. really hard. Getting people to <laughs> not type in Google and Amazon <laughs> is the first thing their fingers do, uh, is really difficult. Um, so there's, there's a couple of strategies. Um, the communities are one and we're starting to see some kind of, um, word of mouth that's happening there. So I don't have to do as much Reddit posting today. People are <laughs> yeah. kind of driving it. Um, the second one is, We've been turning, you remember that Wizard of Oz thing that I mentioned a minute ago? We turned that into a service. So it became what we called our concierge service. Anytime people couldn't find something on Deft, we would still do the search for them, even behind, let's say we didn't have it indexed for whatever reason. We would still do the search for them and basically write a wire cutter post specifically for them. And that's starting to generate a lot. We're basically building up our own wire cutter behind the scenes. So that's generating a lot of traffic when people type in the best sofas or whatever. We're trying to get uh, traffic around that. Um, And then the third thing is we are currently developing an extension um, that will allow you to use Deft anywhere you shop online. So you don't have to think about using and visiting shopdeft.com. You can just use it wherever you already shop. So think um, Honey or Grammarly. That's kind of where we're going. You mentioned indexing these products and ones that you haven't indexed yet, et cetera. And you mentioned different categories. What is that process like in terms of indexing products? So many that you have to get on, obviously, and there's always way more. Just take me through the challenges, mm-hmm. complexities of that, because that's the bread and butter in many ways of what you're doing. I'm curious about that. It is. It's it's um the algorithms are important, building the search is important, but I think what really separates us is really clean data. And that's the hardest thing to build. So We've had to tackle it, uh, again, doing things that don't scale. So in the very beginning, it was me and Alex going and grabbing that data ourselves. And then it became, we have some of our own internal tools that can allow us to scrape, but still do it manually. And we're in the process of kind of building out our scraping and crawling, um, uh, hopefully the early days of what Google has or somebody (laughs) else has. Um, So yeah, it's just, uh, we see people that are searching for certain products oh, hey, Zach, Alex, we don't have these products. We need to go get them. And so it's about uh, going out there and scraping the data and getting it yourself. One thing too, you mentioned, okay, early on with Amazon or with with Google and complexities with that, with obviously they have ads. So you look at Google and most of the time, everything is just an ad anyways on the top, especially first page. Yep. Um, yep. That's the majority of it. And Deft does not have that. So inherently someone's like, how does Deft make money? So take me mm-hmm. through the business model how this started, evolution to today, how you sure, think about it. Sure. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So we started off with affiliate revenue. Um, that's what Tyler Callum was trying to dive in in that, that interview. Yeah. Um, and what we realized is affiliate revenue is kind of the icing on the cake for us. Um, and we don't want to be dependent on affiliate revenue because as soon as we do, we start to prioritize the listings that give us the most money. And that 
puts us back into the same place that all these other advertising uh, search engines are, are doing. So um, we built out and realized that there was an appetite for subscriptions. Um, and uh, we've built functionality onto those subscriptions. So there is a free version of DEF now. There is uh, a basic subscription that we're developing and our concierge subscription. We don't know if concierge will stay around. Um, we're not we're not exactly sure. Um, we think as the search engine gets smarter, there's less of a need for it, but it is still something that our users really like today. And then the affiliate revenue is icing on the cake. So it's kind of like, um, if you've used Spotify, it's like a free, you have the free version and then you have the paid version. And that's kind of how yeah. Deft works. How do you kind of differentiate uh, between those two versions? Like how much you're going to give away on the free version versus how much we mm -hmm. keep behind for a paid version. Yeah. Uh, it's always kind of fun to think how, how companies even think about that. Just how you think about yep. it with Deft. Yeah. So the, um, the version that you're paying for allows you to customize the search engine completely. So what's really cool about it is as you start to tell Deft your favorite brands, your least favorite brands, it actually starts to learn from you and become a very personalized experience. Like you can think about when you're doing an e-commerce search, there's certain brands that you love and there's certain brands you never want to see again because you're sick of them and, or you know, they're bad quality. And, um, once you've had a taste of that experience, it's very hard to go back. It's a super optimized, efficient, um, search experience. And so that's what we're, what we're charging for the free version. will just give you normal searches. And some people are totally fine with that. Um, in that case, we're still getting affiliate revenue where we can, we just don't prioritize it. So the free users, um, are subsidized by the subscription users and also some of the affiliate revenue. One thing we just like take a giant step back here for a second. So mm -hmm. people hear this, they know what Dept is doing now. Like, okay, great business model. Great. And you're talking about like, you know, we're just like fighting like Google and Amazon subtle. Yeah. Uh, those are massive <laughs> yeah. players. Obviously this is a massive idea. Just take me through you talking to investors, feedback you got when you're like, obviously like, as an oh investor, we want to hear a massive idea. They're taking on something huge is a big opportunity, sure. but also they're like, oh, they're just like fighting, you know, like Google and Amazon, whatever, so, subtle. Yeah. Like, how do you, how has that fundraising process gone for you over, over time in terms of explaining that and explaining why you are the team that's going to win this? Sure. And I, I do think um, at least at the, the earlier stages of fundraising, a lot of these the really the best investors are optimists and they can see a vision for what you're building. So there wasn't tons of that pushback. Um, there's certainly intense questions about how you're going to be Google, how you're going to be Amazon. We had to address those. Um, but we got to think, I mean, Google had to beat Yahoo. Yahoo was the biggest uh, search Absolutely. engine at the time Absolutely. and Google came through and, and won that. So I think there's an opportunity for everybody if you're building an amazing product. And I think Google and Amazon both, it's so filled with ads. We're, we're seeing users who are coming to us organically and who are posting on these communities that are looking for certain products and they can't find them on the biggest search engine in the world, the two biggest kind of search engines yeah. when you think about it. Um, and so there is, there's definitely room for our product uh, within this market. Um, and we're doing things differently. Um, when you think about Amazon Seller Central, when you think about Google Merchant Center, which are these tools that they allow people to manipulate their listings on, we don't allow any of that. And so it ends up being uh, much more accurate data and much more accurate searches that you can do with F than you're ever going to get on those platforms, no matter what. Um, so that's kind of how we address those questions. But I think generally um, good investors are optimists and, um, you know, maybe don't spend too much time with the ones that don't see your vision. So. <laughs>
True. And to that point, how have you thought about it from the founder perspective around, okay, which investors do we want on the cap table? Because that's something where mm-hmm. as you build a company, obviously these are your partners for a long period of time. There's uh, highs and lows from yes. this whole journey and obviously pluses and minuses in terms of which investors you have on board. How have you thought through that in terms of who you wanted on that cap table? Super important. Um, so we uh, considered really deeply the types of investors that have been in and around this space before. So e-commerce, um, AI, if search, if there are those, there's not many people who have invested <laughs> in, in search. Um, so we were looking for investors that had experience either dealing with some of the troubles that we've had uh, or, or we're going to deal with in the future. And that's how we prioritize them. Um, and then obviously, when you have an investor call, don't spend the whole time talking about your your uh, your pitch. Like that's the whole conversation yeah. once you get started on that. Definitely spend some time getting to know the investors when you're when you're actually taking an investment call and ask them the the tough questions like how uh, and sometimes get recommendations or referrals from other investments they've made. I I was not hesitant to ask the investors that were considering an investment who had said yes to us reaching out to them and saying, Hey, can you give me three other or two other founders you've invested in that would speak highly of you? I think that's a, a really good way to uh, make sure you're getting great investors on your cap table for the long run. On that uh, kind of a similar note in, in a different way though, but with that, think about your, your co-founder, obviously building this team over time. how did you decide to split up these responsibilities? You came from your own company mm-hmm. and then you're obviously just, okay, let's join together. We're going to build depth, but we have these vision of like what we want to do or whatever. How have you decided to work together, splitting responsibilities, who does what within that as well? I'm curious. Yeah. Um, so it, it happened kind of organically because I was a traditionally a product kind of growth person and Alex was always a, uh, an engineer. And so, um, although I do some engineering, I'm technical, he is the savant at this stuff. Um, <laughs> so, um, I, when we joined forces, the work split just happened, um, naturally. Um, I don't think that's always the case. Um, and I think you do have to have conversations about, Hey, what do you like to do? What do you like to do? What are the things that we're just comfortable doing? Even if we don't like to do it, uh, like accounting or maybe taxes or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, and you split the work out and make sure everybody feels like they're pulling their weight. One of the, uh, the, the questions in terms of this whole thing, and going back to this interview that I thought was really insightful and I wanted to hear more, this obviously was really short in terms of the Tyler Cowan thing, but you mentioned what's the scarce input in your model. Take me through more of that in terms of everything you're doing here. You need a lot of data, as you mentioned, you're trying mm-hmm. to bring that constantly, but what is the scarce input within that? And just take me through more of that, of your model. What do you mean? What do you mean by scarce input? Like, like, like is it a matter of just looking at the data, are you always like, okay, we need more data. We need more products. We need more yes. products. Or is it like, is that the thing that you're always kind of thinking about in terms of definitely growth? I mean, the, yeah. the more things we have on deaf to search for, the more reasons to search with us. So every time that somebody visits deaf and they can't find what they're looking for is a, is a potential for us to lose that user. They might bounce and never come back. So data is probably the most important, um, asset to our business. Um, yeah, I, I I'd say that's, that's it. Did you bring in uh, data scientists or how, how are you evaluating that in terms of expertise around that and looking at that? Because that's something or I know at Vitalize, we, we always love companies mm-hmm. that are data-driven. That's why we invested probably. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious on what you've done on that side in terms of uh, bringing help on that or like evaluating yeah. that. 
Well, that's the beauty of a search engine. People are literally telling you what they want. Like you can read their mind when they type it into the search bar. And so um, if there is not the product there, it's super evident that we need to fill that category out. Um, we are actually hiring for that role right now. We're hiring for some people to kind of help curate our catalog a little bit better and, and monitor yeah. that stuff. But it's it's been amazing because the the search bar does tell us what the user wants. Um, that's That's what they're typing into. In a similar vein too, with that, what are the metrics for you that you care about the most mm-hmm. or that matter in this business model? Because there, every every company you're looking at data, looking at different metrics, like some things matter more. Uh, there's always kind of like your top line, but also you dig down mm-hmm. into way more. For Deft, what matters to you guys in terms of your metrics? Which ones? Yeah, so we measure conversion rate like a traditional e-commerce company. So conversion rate meaning um, not a user who signs up, but a user who does a search clicks on it and ultimately ends up buying the product. So that's that's our goal. That's kind of our North Star because it means that they typed in a search query and they bought the thing, meaning they were really happy with the search result that they got. That's the the best thing that we can monitor. So we're not looking for how many queries. Well, I mean, obviously queries are important. Click through <laughs> yeah. is important. All of these things are important, but our North Star is conversion rate and that's what we're optimizing for. So we've seen a significantly higher conversion rate than your traditional e-commerce site. I think e-commerce is like, Three percent or something is a, is a baseline that e-commerce managers on their store want to get to. We've seen anywhere from fifteen percent for some of our normal free users, all the way up to sometimes seventy-five percent for our premium users. So people are really loving the search results and quality that they're getting back. From that as well, I mean, how much are you monitoring uh, in terms of uh, people coming back and using this over and over again and mm-hmm. then stickiness? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're um, making our way to being seeing a good number of weekly active users. Um, like we we kind of worked our way uh, in reverse. So we started with number of signups, and then we moved to hey, can we get them coming back at least once a month? And um, ultimately, we want to get to kind of weekly active, daily active users um, who are using the product all the time. The critical mass that we need is enough products on the system that they feel like they can come back on a weekly basis. So mm-hmm. I don't think we'll hit that while we're in furniture or home decor, but I think as we expand into other categories, there's way more things to search for on Deft and there's your, there's more categories you're shopping for on a weekly basis that you're going to come back to Deft for. So I think we'll start to see those. Uh, it Progressively, there'd be more usage of the product over time as we add more stuff to the site. Even on that note, when you talk about adding more stuff to the site, like is there a certain critical mass you need to be like, all right, we have to expand to this category? Obviously, you said you get the searches, so you know mm. exactly what people are searching for. But is there amounts or is there numbers you need? Like, okay, we have the capacity to handle this and do this now? Or just how do you think through that side of things? Yeah, I don't think we have a really good way to measure that internally yet. It's it's more just, hey, if we see searches failing, let's address that. Or if people are submitting a lot of concierge requests for a particular thing, let's address that. Um yeah. But we've got enough products on there now, um, and our goal is to get to a million uh, over the next couple of months. Um, and that that puts us bigger than Newegg, bigger than H&M, bigger than a couple of major e-commerce brands in terms of the number of SKUs in our catalog. That's a lot of SKUs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, what I'm curious about next, like what is what is next in terms of this company, in terms of for Daft, where you guys go? Obviously, you mentioned the million SKUs, but... What's next on the growth front? What you need to tackle? Just give us some perspective on that as well. Yeah. So got to keep growing the catalog, obviously. Got to keep making improvements to our search as always. I think next up for us is ways for people to use Deft without thinking about it. So that extension is is definitely next for us where you can use Deft anywhere you shop online. 
longer term vision is you don't have to think about using Deft at all. We would love to develop uh, plugins to where people can just use Deft natively on their own stores. So eventually, if you're on Article, if you're on even Nike or something like that, we would love for our search engine to be the default one that you're searching with. Um, so you don't even have to think about it. Um, but that's that's kind of where we're headed is moving towards uh, lowering the barrier to entry for using Deft and um, and changing consumer behavior. That's that's where we have to go and the biggest pain point we have to tackle. With that, in terms of what you mentioned with the extension as well, getting to that point of actually creating the extension, because I'm curious about that because there's so many things as a founder, you're looking at, okay, we can develop all these different products, all these different yeah. things, but there's, you have to prioritize constantly. This is coming to be a thing soon, obviously, in terms of this extension. What got you to that point where like, okay, now we need to get the browser extension. Now it makes sense. Like, why is this now kind of the time for that? Yeah, trying to get people to think about using Deft. I think one of the biggest challenges, um, unless we've already gotten them hooked on the platform, is they still have to think about using it. They still have to think about mm. typing it in. Um, we just want it to basically be there for you as a helping hand whenever you're already doing your e-commerce shopping. So um, that's... It's just one of those things that, uh, it, it also helps with the data side of things as well. Um, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> makes sense. I think it's, it's kind of a natural progression in terms of making this something that people, as you mentioned, don't have to think about at all, which makes it being used more, which gives you more data, which kind of feeds everything that you do with this company yep. as well. Um, and there, yeah, there's so much to it, which is exciting. I, I know from watching those interviews and, uh, hearing guys as well, they're, when this when this works out, it's going to be incredible as well. It's already nice to see the progress uh, in terms of that and the products and everything, but obviously it's going to get much bigger. Where can people go currently to learn more about Deft and also connect with you guys if they'd like to as well? Mm -hmm. Shopdeft.com is our .com. You can go sign up there and we batch people in every single week to, to our beta. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm happy to post it or send it over to you so you can like <laughs> pop it up or something for the podcast. But yeah, generally go sign up for Shop Deft. We'll batch you in and we'd love to have you be a user, uh, beta user, or even a beta tester. Awesome. Zach, thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. It was great. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about us, head on over to vitalize.vc. You can also follow us on Twitter at vitalizevc. Or you can follow me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.